When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Sixty three Audio presents Queen of Blood, adapted for audio and produced by Pete Lutz from the nineteen sixty six motion picture of the same name, which was written and directed by Curtis Harrington, starring the Narado Radio Company. The year 1990. The problem of traveling to the moon has been solved for many years. Space stations have been built there, and authorized personnel come and go as they wish. But the moon is a dead world, and the great question about space still remains. Does life exist on another planet? To seek an answer to this question, the major powers of the world have been actively preparing at the International Institute of Space Technology to explore the planets Venus and Mars. Attention, please. Will Dr. Standard please report to administration? Dr. Standard to administration. Will the day shift supervisor please report to dispersing? Day shift supervisor to dispersing. Will astronaut Alan Brenner please report to astral communications? Astronaut Brenner to astral communications. Ready for lunch? Laura, ready for lunch? Oh. Hi, Alan. I guess I didn't hear you. I guess you didn't. I said, are you ready for lunch? <laughs> Definitely. Great, because I'm starved. I just finished a high G session in the centrifuge. How do you feel? Not bad, considering. So, how are things in astral communications today? How's the music of the spheres? Listen. Hmm? We've been picking up these signals for three days. Dr. Faraday thinks they're from a planet in our galaxy, but far beyond our solar system. Does he think they're a form of communication? Well, they're different from anything we've picked up before. They're working now on some tapes that I've made and trying to see if they can decipher it. Bill, I'm leaving the recorder on automatic. Will you keep an eye on it for me while I'm at lunch? Right. It must be... Um, a message of some kind. And just think, if it is, it will be our first contact with intelligent beings from another planet. Well, you certainly were hungry. Mm. Mm. That's the one bad thing about space trips. No banana splits. No matter what they say about that exobiologic food, it tastes terrible. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. 
Hey, mind sharing your table with a couple of starving astronauts? Hey, Tony. Hey, Paul. Sit down. Have a seat, gentlemen. Thanks. Alan was just complaining about the exobiologic food. You better get used to it. That's all you're going to get when you're on your way to Mars. It is Mars you're scheduled for, isn't it? Yeah, if and when. What's the latest scuttlebutt there, Tony baby? <laughs> I only know what Matahari here tells me, and she gets it straight from the horse's mouth. You mean Dr. Faraday? Well, I do hear a remark now and then. They seem to be making some excellent progress on the new radiation shield. As a matter of fact... Attention all personnel. Attention all personnel. Assemble immediately in Area 1 for important announcement. Aw, oh, man, we just Attention sat down. All huh. I guess that means Attention us. What am I supposed to do with this? Personnel. So you'll have cold stew. Ah. <laughs> Come on. Attention all personnel. Attention all personnel. Assemble immediately in Area 1 for important announcement. Think this means we're flying, Alan? Could mean we're more ready for Mars than we think, huh, Alan? I hope so. Laura, did you ever think of getting married on Mars? Hmm. Commander Brockman! Hello. What's happened, sir? No idea. It must be pretty important, though. That's for sure, sir. My friends and fellow workers... In the the great great adventure adventure of space. space. I have, I have the most, the most important, important news to announce since our first successful landing on the moon 20 years ago. As many of you know, for several weeks now we have been receiving organized signals from a far galaxy. This morning, our code experts finally deciphered the message these signals contain. It's a, it's a most, most extraordinary, extraordinary document. document. It's very, very long. long. I'm not not going going to read it to you, but I would like you to have the gist of it. It informs us that they are dispatching a spaceship to bring their ambassador to planet Earth. They believe our atmospheric conditions will support their form of life, which is apparently similar to our own. The timing of their blast-off should be just about now. I wanted wanted you here at the Space Space Institute Institute to be the first to know. I'm sure the entire world will await the arrival of the spaceship with the keenest anticipation. Thank you. This is the World News Report. The world is impatiently waiting further information from the Space Institute fixing position and probable time of the approach of the space vehicle, bringing forth to Earth, for the first time in our planet's known history, aliens, who are our first visitors from a distant galaxy. Meanwhile, at 5.18 this morning, the California Satellite Observatory reported that an unknown object had crossed the orbit of the moon and is rapidly approaching the Earth. Scientists unanimously agree that this is not the expected space vehicle itself, but is a mechanical device sent ahead by them for reasons unknown at the present time. People all over the world are scanning the skies, watching for this object to enter our atmosphere. Eh? Doctor, is your report ready? They have sent us a video log that contains a photographic record of the alien ship's entire flight. I'm sending it to Astral Communications now. Right here, in Astral Communications. They should have it up on screen by now. Ah, hello. Are you ready? Yes, Doctor. It's in perfect working order. All right. Let's see it. That must be the interior of their ship. Look at them. They're humanoids. Except for that green skin. It appears that everything is controlled by that large central console. Why aren't they saying anything? What do you mean? Well, look. 
All of those things going on with ship's operations, and no mouths are moving. We can hear the ship, but not the crew members? Yes. Interesting. They might be communicating telepathically. Yes. That's probably it. Oh, what's happening now? Looks like one of the crew has been chosen to leave the ship. <laughs> Look at that helmet that's being put on her head. It's shaped like an onion. I failed to find this amusing, Mr. Brenner. Yes, Doctor. Sorry, sir. That's the end of the tape, sir. Remarkable. Crash landing on Mars. And this is their SOS. We are obviously in touch with beings who have a highly evolved technology. Do you think their ship was destroyed, Doctor? No, I don't. I think there's an excellent chance that there may be survivors. But we haven't received any more signals now for three days. Well, that may mean merely damaged equipment. What I'm interested in is the possibility that these extraordinary creatures, who have sent us this video log of their disaster, may at this instant be waiting for us to rescue them. But Dr. Faraday... Dr. Faraday. Attention, Dr. Faraday. Please report to your office immediately. Oh, they can't wait to hear what it's about. I intend to schedule a press conference for 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. The world wants to know what has happened, and I shall tell them. But the real question remains to be answered. What are we going to do about it? And so it appears that these beings from another world have called for our help. <clears throat> the situation may not be exactly as we have wished, but now that the doors have realistically opened to close the gap between worlds, I feel that we are obliged to make every effort to give them our help. It is true, of course, that we are fully prepared to embark for Mars. The spaceship, Oceano, home ported at Moonbase Luna 7, has been designated to attempt the first flight to Mars six months from now. to cooperate in this endeavor. The time to go to Mars is now, and not six months from now. And to do so, we must get those supplies to the moon. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, one ignition blast off Attention, please. Attention, please. Will the commander of Freight Rocket RT-12 please report to the central operator? You have a call from Earth.
I'm sorry, Doctor. We don't seem to be able to pick up a thing. Their equipment must have been destroyed in the crash. Dr. Faraday, may I speak with you for a moment, please? Yes, of course. Since there are no more signals coming through, I'm afraid we'll have to proceed in the dark, as it were. Yes, sir. Doctor, I've just received my orders. Oh, good. Yes. Are you pleased? Yes. Yes, of course. But I was hoping Alan Brenner would be on my flight. And I was wondering... I'm sorry, Laura. I'm afraid there's nothing I can do about it. The balance of personnel for this key flight has been most carefully worked over. We shall undoubtedly send Brenner on the Oceana, too. I see. It's a great honor that has been bestowed upon you, Laura. And I don't mind telling you now that I was one of those who recommended you. Thank you. Dr. Faraday, please report to the Astrophysical Laboratory immediately. Well, Laura, a marvelous adventure lies ahead of you. I envy you. Good luck. Thank you. Alan. I just heard the news. And I was just trying to get up enough courage to tell you. Well, we sort of figured it might happen this way, huh? I know. Now look, I'm sure I'm going to be on the next ship. I'll make a date right now to see you there. In fact, I'll tell you what. I'll take you dancing on Mars. How about that? Attention, please. Astronaut Laura James. Laura James. Please report to the Central Conference Room for a press and television interview. What? Hey, you're going to be the most famous girl in America. Now go on. Tell them who you are and where you came from. All right. I'll see you later. See you later. This is a special report from Moon Base Luna 7. I'm speaking to you from the control room, and the rocket that's going to travel to the planet Mars, the Oceana, is just about ready to blast off. Commander Anders Brockman, in charge of the mission, and two other astronauts, Laura James and Paul Grant, are aboard and strapped into their seats. The control room is an absolute hive of activity, ladies and gentlemen. So, we're just going to point the camera in their direction so you can see and hear exactly what's going on. T-minus 27 seconds and counting. Vernier, start. Report the ready position. Two over zero, minus X-ray. One, two. All systems green. Delta minus one eight seconds to start. Ready light is on. Countdown, start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Last time. And there she goes, ladies and gentlemen. There she goes. The Oceana, the first ship destined to travel to Mars with the special mission of trying to rescue the space travelers from a distant planet. Well, I think I speak for the entire World News Corporation when I say that I hope they are successful. I truly do. Wait, am I seeing something down at ground level? Yes, I do. I'm looking at the big round viewport here, and I see a lone astronaut in his spacesuit standing and waving at the spacecraft as it disappears into the sky. Oh, how moving. How very moving. And now, this is Vivian Berardi from Moonbase Luna 7, sending it back to Earth Central Studios in London. 
Bye, Laura. See you soon, Paul. Take good care of him, Commander Brockman. Dr. Faraday speaking. Commander Brockman reporting, sir. How are you doing? Everything according to plan, sir. Astronaut James blacked out during acceleration, but has now revived. All instrument readings normal. Splendid, Commander. Just keep going. We intend to, sir. Accounting for the DH factor of drift, we've progressed 75 million miles towards Mars and are passing through perihelion to the Sun. Mars is giving off a red coloring and is becoming more vivid as we approach. It suggests that there is a really deep oxidation of the planet's major substance. How does that sound for the ship's log, sir? Very good. Accurate. And rather imaginative. Thank you, sir. Maybe after we return to Earth, you can have that published. And you'll be known as that Western rider astronaut fella. <laughs> well, I never thought of it that way. Oh, it's dinner time. Oh, Commander, aren't you going to eat dinner? No, I'm not very hungry. What about you? Are you very hungry? I'm starved. Well, good. So am I. Let's go eat. What's that? Something's happened to the instruments. Checking. Auxiliary controls. I've got it. It's a sunburst. Put on your helmets! Close your visors! I'm switching to emergency controls in group 3 and group 7. Go to maximum protection! All controls are working. Use all power available. Aye aye, sir. I don't like this at all. Why haven't we heard from them? It had to be the sunburst. Of all the times... Luna, Station 7. Calling Luna 7. Laura! Laura, this is Faraday. Are you alright? We've just recorded a major sunburst. We are now trying to enter the orbit of Mars. Sunburst. Severely damaged exterior instruments. Using emergency instruments. Only. Very difficult. Laura! Laura! Come in, Oceano! They've stopped transmitting. Damn it! Uh, uh, what? Oh. Paul! Paul, are you alright? Paul, wake up! Laura! Laura, are you alright? Yes. Bring the oxygenator tablets, quick! Coming. Let's get your helmet off, Paul. Here are the tablets, Commander. You'll have to feed them to him. He's not fully conscious. Here, Paul. Take these. They'll make you feel better. (sighs) Oh, man. I've got a whole symphony in my head. And it ain't Brahms. It'll go soon. There. Are you feeling better? Uh, well, I, I guess our emergency equipment worked okay, huh? We're in orbit now. All right. We've got to locate that ship. Paul, you'll do the observing. And Laura, turn on the ultraviolet protection shield. Mm-hmm. And contact Luna 7. Let them know we made it through safely. I'm going to go check the fuel supply. I'm very concerned about the Oceano's fuel supply. That accident caused them to use more than they could spare. You mean they may have trouble landing? No, but it'll be touch and go on the return trip. We must get the Oceano 2 launched sooner. Luna 7, Oceano calling. Luna 7, Oceano calling Luna 7. Over. 
We read you, Oceano. Over. Laura, this is Faraday speaking. We have good news. We've located the interstellar vehicle. It's in Section 18, Unit 5. Got it. We are now entering orbit position to land. We will transmit again from Mars. Well, gentlemen, our mystery should be solved very soon. Let's go, Paul, and see what we can find. Laura, we'll stay in contact with you. See you later. Be careful out there. May we speak to you a moment, Dr. Faraday? Certainly, gentlemen. What's on your minds? Well, we've been trying to figure out what's happened to the other people on that alien ship. Yes, it seems there must be more than one dead man. But of course there's more than one dead man. The others probably boarded a rescue rocket. Which, at this very instant, is marooned someplace else on Mars. It's the only possible explanation. Then we'd have to send observation satellites. Isn't that correct, sir? It's the only way to find the other ship. Unfortunately, the Oceano 2 isn't ready for blast-off yet. Well, uh, that's... that's what we wanted to talk to you about. Yes, uh, the uh, rocket ship Meteor is ready to go. And Alan and I figured we could put the satellites on it and get them there immediately. Now, gentlemen, the Meteor is much too small for that kind of trip. Your fuel would be all used up and you couldn't even land on Mars, much less return to Earth. We don't intend to land on Mars. What? Look, Dr. Faraday, let me show you what we mean. Fine. Over here at the chart. After we put the satellites into orbit, we can land on one of the moons of Mars, say Phobos right here. We'll have plenty of fuel for this because the gravity is so slight. And then, from Phobos, we can get to Mars in our rescue ship. Clever. Logical. Possible. Ah, but it's too great a risk. The slightest miscalculation would mean complete disaster. Every space flight is risky, Dr. Faraday. No, really, Doctor, this is too important. We have our calculations carefully worked out. I know we can do it. You're both either fools or very brave men. All right, I'll see what can be arranged. Hello, Meteor. Hello, Oceano. We have arrived in orbit. Congratulations, Tony. Um, let me speak to your co-pilot. I have someone here who wants to say hello. Alan can't speak now. He's releasing the observation satellites. Let's speak again at, uh, 2230. 2230 it is. Paul, Laura, come over to the view screen. You can see the satellites. Look! Oh, yes. Now we'll find them. We'll find them for sure. Okay, coming in for a landing.
Nice landing, sailor. Ha! You'd better get on the horn and call the Oceano. I'm pretty sure there's somebody over there who wants to say hello to you. <clears throat> calling Laura James. Calling Laura James. Come in, Laura James. That is not the correct contact signal. Astronaut Brenner. It seems to be the correct signal for me, Astronaut James. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, where are you? We've landed on Phobos. This is Brockman. How is it there? Well, okay, I guess. We'll inspect it in a moment. That wouldn't be advisable, Alan. We've calculated your timing for landing. You must leave within 32 minutes. Commander, may I have the mic? Mm-hmm. Alan, if you don't leave now, you'll have to stay for a whole week. Okay, we'll be there within two hours. And remember, we're expecting a very warm welcome. You'll get it. The Martian girls are just dying to meet you. You'd better hurry. A strong wind is coming up here. You now have 29 minutes left. Thank you, Astronaut James. We'll see you soon. Alan, come here. Out there. What is that? I don't know, but I think we'd better find out. This is Meteor. We have amazing news for you. It turns out they landed on Phobos. I don't... Who's they? The astronauts from the other planet. The rescue ship landed here, and one of them is alive. We're gonna bring her with us. But your rescue ship can only carry two people. I know. Do you have any suggestions? Tony, wait. Hey, what the... This is something we've got to decide between ourselves, Tony. You heard, Laura. Seventeen minutes. Sixteen now. I know, but... But we've got no choice, Tony. The rescue ship can't possibly carry more than two. And this... this being is the whole reason we came here. Okay, I'll stay. There's a decent chance Oceano 2 will get here in time. No. Now you go ahead and take her. No, that wouldn't be fair. Look, we don't have time to argue. If we miss the start, all three of us might die. Okay, let's flip for it. All right, if it'll make you feel better. Um, I don't have any coins on me, just paper moon money. Here, my old American good luck piece. A silver dollar I got from my grandpa. You call it. Heads. Meteor, Meteor, answer, please. Alan, I want to talk to you. It's no use. They had a decision to make, and I'm sure they've made it by now. Put up the radio beacon. Whoever's piloting their ship... I'm sure they'll need all the help they can get in this storm. Aye, sir. Chair. Well, there she is. Our visitor from another planet. Strange. She seems so human. Yet, obviously, not human at all. 
I know, her green skin's uncanny. But this might be what we'd look like if we lived under a different atmosphere. Do you think she's all right? Well, the commander took her pulse. He says it's beating much stronger than a human's if they were unconscious, so... Paul? What? Who brought her? Alan! Laura! Oh, I was so afraid you were going to stay. (sighs) Are you sure, Commander, that there's not going to be enough fuel? I'm sorry, Alan. There isn't. Enough fuel for what? I wanted to pick up Tony. Laura, contact Luna 7. I want to talk to Dr. Faraday about this. Yes, sir. The female astronaut is with us, Doctor. She's still unconscious, but seems to be in good condition. We are very thrilled by your success. Congratulations. Then you'll blast off immediately? Yes, Doctor. But we're very concerned about astronaut Tony Barata. He's marooned on Phobos, and we don't have enough fuel to pick him up. What's the status of Oceano 2? Oceano 2 will be ready to blast off this week. It seems to me that if Barata uses his emergency rations sparingly, he ought to be able to hold out very well. Thank you, Doctor. We'll convey that message to him. Godspeed, my friends. We'll see you soon, Doctor. Oceano out. Laura, get me the meteor. Hello, Meteor. This is Command Ship Oceano calling. Hello, Meteor. This is Command Ship Oceano calling. Answer, please. Tony, this is Alan. Listen, Tony, we have good news for you. Are you listening? Please answer. Meteor. Calling Spaceship Meteor. This is Command Ship Oceano calling. Why doesn't he answer? Are you sure you're sending properly, Laura? Yes. Well, we'll just have to keep trying till we get him. Hello, Meteor. This is Command Ship Oceano. Answer, please. Tony, are you there? I have important news for you. This is Meteor. Do you hear me? Tony, we do hear you. Why haven't you answered? I went outside to collect some soil samples. I'm going to set up a little lab here. Keep myself busy for a while. <laughs> That's great, Tony. Because listen, we have some good news for you. Oceano 2 blasts off in a week, and Dr. Faraday says he can get to you. Just don't eat too much. Thanks. I won't. You're gonna be okay, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, you have a good trip back, you hear? Take good care of your passenger. Oh, we will. Listen, Tony, we're gonna have to blast off right now. So, Oceano, over and out. Over and out. Commander, she's coming around. Oh, let's see. Should we take her helmet off? No, I think we should let her decide when to do that. Now, don't crowd her. Keep a respectful distance. We don't want to frighten her. No, sir. But she appears to be smiling. Smiling at me? Maybe she likes what she sees, eh, you space dog? Hush, Alan. This is a serious moment. Yes, sir. Oh, now she's taking an interest in you, sir. Hmm? Oh. Um. Yes. Well, don't stand over on the sidelines, Alan. Let her feast her eyes on you. Don't be ridiculous, Paul. I happen to be spoken for... Oh. Yeah, I thought so. She does have a very, um, direct gaze, doesn't she? Like she could eat you alive. What was that, sir? Nothing, nothing. Uh, Laura, have you met our guest yet? No, not up close. Hello? Oh! (laughs) Wow, did you see that? Like a cat, I'd say. My goodness. What what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's time we got started. Alan, prepare the navigational chart. Yes, Commander. Laura, get a timing check now. Yes, Commander. Paul? Yes, sir? I want you to make a thorough check of the electrical system and gravity simulator. Be sure we didn't miss any of the damage that was caused by the sunburst. Yes, sir. And you know, Paul, I think you're the logical choice to take care of our passenger. I, uh, thought of suggesting it to Laura, but it seems our visitor, um, doesn't get along with her own gender. Yes, well, I'll do my best, Commander. 
Count on me, sir. I'm sure you will. We'll be at sector E4 in approximately 11 minutes. Here, see? When you're thirsty, you suck water up through this tube. Like this. Hmm? Now you try it. Go ahead. It's all right. Look, like this. Go ahead. Yes, that's very good. Now how about the eating department? Let's try that, huh? See? Like this. Mmm. It's good. It's not that it tastes so great, but it's so good for you. Here. Here, you try it. No? Don't want it, huh? Look. Like this. No. I'll try a fresh one. Here. No. No then. I think we're going to have some trouble in the eating department, sir. How's she responding to the ship's atmosphere? Is it giving her any trouble? No, she seems to be responding fine, sir. Perhaps she is only accustomed to some sort of liquid nourishment. You realize, Paul, that her life pattern may be very different from our own. Mm-hmm. Look at her skin, for instance. It appears to have a high chlorophyll content. She may, in certain aspects, be more akin to plant life than animal life, as we know it. She may even take in some nourishment from the atmosphere through her skin. Hmm. I keep wondering what she's thinking. Well, the answers to all these questions, science will give us. She's been sitting there so quietly, unafraid of us. Didn't Dr. Faraday believe that she and the others communicated through mental telepathy? Yes. Well, I haven't heard her thoughts in my mind, but she's definitely sending messages with her eyes. <laughs> well, you just remember, young man, that she's not human. So don't take what you see at face value. Face value? <laughs> That's a good one, sir. Hmm? Oh, uh, oh yes. Uh, well, as I was saying... Uh, when they bring her back to Earth and can do adequate tests, we'll know more about her and her race. In the meantime, though, there's something I can do that may tell us more. What's that, sir? I want to study a sample of her blood under the microscope. Mm. Laura, get the syringe ready. Yes, sir. Take her arm, Paul. Yes, sir. Hello. You okay? Now listen, this isn't going to hurt a bit. Hey! <gasps> Hold her still, Paul. I'll get another hypo, Commander. No, no, Laura. Wait. This is more than some childish fear of the needle. Perhaps she has an extremely low pain threshold. Perhaps... Perhaps what, sir? I don't know. But we mustn't do anything that would affect her health adversely. She's probably the most valuable specimen for scientific research in the history of our planet. To get her back to Earth safely has to be our first consideration. Commander, look at her face. Yes? What about it? I could swear she looked as if she understood every word you said. Oh? Mmm, I don't know. Perhaps... Well, she went from being agitated about the hypo to a state of calm as you talked about protecting her. It could be that she was merely reacting to the sound of my voice. That's our rest period signal. Paul, it's your watch coming up, isn't it? Yes, sir. That's right. We'll discuss her, um... Puzzling behavior again later on. You know, it might be a good idea to put out some food for her. Perhaps if she becomes very hungry, she might give it a try. I have some right here, sir. All right. I'll be in my quarters. Sleep well, sir. I'm going to try for 40 winks myself. I'll make sure Alan relieves you in four hours. Okay. Good night. Well, I have to go mind the controls of this old ship now. I'm leaving you some food here, in case you get hungry. Some water. You ought to try to get some sleep. 
you know, sleep like this. <laughs> All right. Hmm. Okay. Paul Grant, personal log, continuing. As regards our alien visitor, I've spent more time with her than the others have, and I think I've noticed something about her that the others haven't yet. She has... What's that? Some kind of flashing red light down the corridor. Recording suspended so I can investigate. Everybody seems to be sleeping. I can't get why this light fixture is glowing red. And where's our visitor? Bunk's empty. Where's... What? <gasps> oh, hello. You, you startled me. What? Did you just say that or... No, you're communicating with your... Yes, I understand. Yes, oh... Yes, you're so... Laura! Alan! Get up! Get up! Emergency! It's Paul! Alan! Laura, wake up! What did you say? What's wrong with Paul? Paul? What's happened to him? Paul? What's What's happened happened to him? Brace yourselves, you two. Paul's dead. It can't be! Are you sure? He has no pulse. How? I don't know yet. Laura, check our passenger. Make sure she's alright. Yes, sir. He seemed perfectly well last night. He was perfectly well. Here, take his other arm. Let's get him... Commander, look at his wrist. Himmel, what is it? It's been chewed to ribbons. (laughs) Laura, what is it? Look at her mouth. Uh-huh. It's covered in blood. Paul's blood. Uh-huh. Now we know how she feeds, at least. She's a monster. Notice how deep and heavy her breathing is. She's gorged herself with fresh blood. And now she's digesting it, like a boa constrictor that swallowed a whole animal. She may remain like this for days. It's fascinating. Fascinating? It's horrible. We ought to destroy her right now. No, no, Alan. She's much too precious for that. Besides, how can we expect her to conform to our ideas of proper behavior? She's not necessarily aware that she's done wrong. Wrong from our point of view, that is. But she's much more than an animal. She comes from a highly evolved planet. Technologically evolved, yes. But what about their social structure? Moral concepts, as we recognize them, maybe don't exist in their society. They may be some sort of intellectual insect. Which feeds on human beings. Not ordinarily, no. They probably feed on the blood of some lower form of animal life on their planet, as we do on ours. No, not on blood. Oh, Alan, is there such a difference between blood and a rare beefsteak? All right, but what do we do? Take turns playing dinner for her? I don't think that'll be necessary. We've got a good supply of blood plasma with us. We'll use that to feed her. That's fine. Fine. But let me out of here. I can't stand the sight of her. We found astronaut Paul Grant dead at 0400 this morning. Cause of death has been determined as loss of blood. How did it happen? I hope this won't sound too fantastic, Doctor. It's not very pleasant. The creature from the other planet? She fed on Paul. On his blood. How are you proceeding? The passenger is sleeping now. Digesting. Apparently, she only feeds at intervals. We intend to give her blood plasma in the future. I see. You understand how important it is to keep her well. 
and to bring her back safely. Commander Brockman has made this clear, Doctor. We will follow Emergency Plan 82 for the disposal of Astronaut Grant's body. Yes, sir. That is our intention. Very well. Contact again in 24 hours. We will, Dr. Faraday. Luna 7, out. <sighs> one should not be shocked by what one finds out there. Gentlemen, the particular nature of our visitor from space, for the moment, does not go beyond this room. No, sir. Badly. Yes, sir. Notify next of kin of Paul Grant's death. This as in line of duty. Cause or causes unknown. Is everybody ready? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very well. I'll place Paul into the airlock. Alan? Aye, sir. Seal the airlock. Aye, sir. Read out, Laura. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For ye must know that God will redeem thy soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive thee. Amen. Into the wastes of outer space. It's a fitting grave for an astronaut. Laura... Will you check the automatic pilot for me? Yes. Yes, sir. Sir, don't you think... Yes? Don't you think we ought to keep that... that thing tied up or something? I mean, when she wakes again, she's going to be dangerous. She'll only be dangerous when she's hungry. Or when we're all asleep. So, we'll keep her fed. And one of us will have to stay awake at all times. You know, there's one thing that really bothers me. What's that? There wasn't any sign of a struggle. She must have attacked him in his sleep. Do you mean that he wouldn't have felt it and woken up? Not necessarily. People are often unaware of being attacked by a vampire bat while they're sleeping. Perhaps nature has given her a protective saliva that deadens the pain of the victim. Then afterwards, because of the lack of blood, consciousness never returns. No, Alan, I don't think it's a mystery that there was no sign of a struggle. I have the plaza ready, Commander. Now, I may be wrong, but our passenger probably has some kind of similar setup for use when she and her crew were in interstellar flight. Thank you. All right, now. Take this and drink it. Go on. You'll find it better than plain water. There. That's it. Good. Ah, <sighs> There. You see? She'll be well fed. You'll be safe. And we'll bring home a healthy specimen with us. And if we run out of plasma, Commander? Well, in that case, we'll probably have to take turns in, um, contributing to her well-being. Huh? Oh, I know it sounds ghoulish, but is it so different from having a patient aboard who needs frequent transfusions?
Bachman, continuing ship's log. Our passenger appears to be in good health. However, yesterday we ran out of supply. And from now on, it would be necessary to... Who's there? Laura, are you awake? Oh, no! Not you! I warn you, stay back! Stay back or I'll shoot! I'll shoot... I'll... When you wake up this time, you won't be able to move. Look at her, gorged with human blood, digesting. I can't stand to look at her. I can't understand how... Anders could fall asleep when he knew that... He didn't fall asleep. I'm convinced of that now. And I don't think Paul did either. She does something. I I don't know what. A kind of hypnosis. Some strange mental power that we don't have. I sensed it from the beginning. And it's deadly. Alan, I'm really afraid now for the first time. Come here. Well, don't be. We're going to get back to Earth, all right. And we're going to take our monster visitor with us. I only hope they know what to do with her. You're close enough to Earth to retain Commander Brockman's body on board. Now, when you land, it might be instructive to perform an autopsy. Yes, Dr. Faraday? I trust you're taking the utmost precautions from now on? Absolutely, sir. Astronaut Brenner has her tied securely to the bunk. Now then, your best landing location will be the Earth. You'll go into orbit for 24 hours and then receive final instructions. After today, change your radio contact to the Space Institute frequency. I shall be leaving for Earth almost immediately. Is that clear? Yes, Dr. Faraday. We'll see you very soon. Good luck. They'll need it. Things are going very badly for them, Chip. Very badly indeed. Yes, sir. (sighs) Alan? Alan? Is everything okay? Something woke me, and I saw that our passenger was out of her bunk. I don't feel anything. No pain. I've got the first aid kit. Let me get this cleaned up. She got... She got to me, didn't she? Yes. What happened? I I woke up. I found her on top of you. I I pushed her off and we fought. At some point, she screamed and ran away. I, I don't think I really hurt her. Where is she? Alan... I'd better go look. Please, please don't. Please. No, I'm all right. I'm really all right now. Really, I'm all right. What the... Holy hell. What is it? No, wait, stop. Don't come any closer. 
What? What's that stuff all over the deck? It's blood. Her blood. Green blood. But what about her? Is is she... She's dead. She must have bled to death. But how? All I did was scratch her a little on her shoulder. Now I know why she wouldn't let us take that blood sample. Why? All you did was scratch her and she bled to death. She's a hemophiliac. Hemophiliac. Maybe she was some kind of royalty where she came from. A queen, maybe. (sighs) Let's go make a report. Perfect landing on Earth. Woo! I was afraid we wouldn't have enough fuel. So was I. I I guess we can take our helmets off now. Ah, that's better. Yeah. Oh, listen, they're going to be opening the hatch in about a minute. I think we should put on those sun goggles they gave us. We haven't seen the sun in a while. It might blind us. Good idea. Do you know where they are? Yes, I stowed them in this cabinet. What's wrong? What is it? It's some kind of eggs. Eggs? I'll come around. My God. That's it. That's why they sent her. She wasn't just an ambassador. She was a queen. A queen bee. Maybe this is how their society's set up. A queen who does all the breeding. Uh, Maybe their planet was dying, and they sent her to bring their kind to Earth. Laura, we have to destroy these... But, Alan... But don't you realize what they were trying to do? They, They sent her to Earth to find a new feeding ground for her race. To them, we're just animals to be eaten. We can't let these creatures breed on Earth. Alan, that's not for us to decide. Scientists from all over the world have been waiting for us to bring back something living. And they'll keep them under control. I wonder. Besides, it's too late. Look. There's more in here. I bet she's got eggs hidden all over the ship. They'll have to tear the ship apart, piece by piece, and fumigate it. Congratulations. Dr. Faraday, we've got to talk to you. We've discovered that the whole ship is infested with the eggs of the creature and they're alive and growing. Wonderful, wonderful. Where are they? Alive? And growing, you say? Extraordinary. I don't think you realize, Doctor. They should be destroyed immediately. Oh, come, come now, my boy. You've just returned from an amazing but very tiring trip. We may destroy them, and we may not. But we must at least see what we have. Isn't that right, Laura? I... I think so, Doctor. You've brought back something unique and marvelous from another world. You can be very proud. But, Doctor, they're deadly. I uh, Appreciate your warning, my boy, and we shall take every precaution. Uh, Help me, will you, gentlemen? 
We have some very precious samples to remove from the ship. Well, I tried. They're scientists, Alan. They know what they're doing. I hope so. Come on. Let's go out and touch the earth and feel sunshine on our faces again. Gentlemen, uh, be very careful with those specimens as you take them off the ship. That was Queen of Blood from the 1966 American International Studios film. Written and directed by Curtis Harrington. This audio adaptation was written and directed by Pete Lutz. Our Narada Radio Company cast consisted of the following players. Pete Lutz as Alan Brenner. Carol Cron as Laura James. Mark Kalita as Dr. Faraday. Lothar Tuppen as Paul Grant. Jack Ward as Tony Barata. Dana Gonsalves as Commander Brockman. And Kendra Murray as the Queen of Blood. With additional voices by Paul Arbisi, Tom Conkle, Riley Lutz, Pam Pales, Frank Guglielmelli, Dave Robison, Rachel Pulliam, and Juan Perez. Music for this production was specially composed and performed by Dr. Ross Bernhardt, with certain passages lifted from the film soundtrack. This is John Bell speaking. This audio production is dedicated to the memory of Bill Holweg, a great friend and colleague who we think would have loved working on, or at the very least, listening to a show like this. You left us too soon, amigo, and you will never be forgotten. Queen of Blood is a 63 audio production mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Sixty three audio. This is mutual. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.